Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here. Hope you've had a good weekend so far. In this series that we've been in, we've been surveying many of the passages in the Bible, the truths from the Bible that give us guidance on how to make the most of our time, how to make the most of the opportunities that we have day after day. And so we've been really glad that you've been able to join us for this series as we explore this really important topic of, of the use of our time. And Now, when it comes to time management, there, there really are some helpful external solutions to improve your productivity. We've, we've looked at several things internally um, that need to go on in our lives, but there are some helpful externals that, that can increase our productivity. One of these is technology. Uh, technology... It can provide us some help. If you're trying to grow in your time management, as, as technology develops, we find that we're able to use some tools that have been developed in order to make you know, more progress, be more efficient. I remember my first cell phone. I, I tried to Google search a picture of it. I got it in 2000. And so my first cell phone was, it was a beauty. <laughs> and uh, I was one year married. And I couldn't afford a cell phone for the first year. And after year one, my job was, you know, taking off. I think I was like seven seventy-five an hour at that point. And uh, and I was like, okay, I'm going to spring for a cell phone. And and uh, you had to cycle through numbers in order to text people. I don't know if you remember that, but you'd have to like hit the one button like three times to get letter C or whatever. And I knew people that could just. Without even looking, just some of you, you knew that because you did that, you know, and you would just cycle through the numbers and you could send text messages off in that way. But anyway, this was a, it's like a prehistoric phone now. You, you probably couldn't find one of these anymore. I also remember when I got my first PDA. PDA is not public display of affection. It is the personal digital assistant. This was my first one. This was called a visor. And um, this did not have an internet connection. I could track my calendar, though. I could track my calendar. I could keep phone numbers. I could have my tasks organized. It had all these different features. I could sync it up with, uh, I think it was syncable to my my computer. I don't even remember now. It must have been syncable to my computer. But I remember having a cell phone holster over here and a Palm Pilot holster over here. It's like the Wild West in my office. You know? Do you remember that? I mean, it was helpful, you know. I could walk around. I felt really productive in those days because it was easily accessible. And, and uh, as we all know, these things have come a long way with technology. You know, they're getting, you know, cell phones are getting larger and you can do a whole lot more with them than you could. Uh, how do you even go without it? How do you go without your cell phone? I will tell you because I have been cell phone free since Wednesday. And I am, I'm just going back a new direction in my life. No, just, just kidding. My phone broke. <laughs> so <laughs> it's in Illinois. <laughs> and uh, it's been, I, I haven't had a phone since the end of day on Wednesday. And so if you've been trying to reach me and you're like, man, that jerk won't even reply to my, I apologize right now before you all. I, I totally would return your, your message or your text. It's supposed to be back on Monday. So it's really strange though not having a, a cell phone because of how dependent we all are on, on our technology. I mean, I'm serious. I'm I'm constantly like, oh, oh, just like, I feel so blocked in my plans to do things. But this is one thing that's been helpful, technology. Another thing is classes and coaching can, can help 
with productivity. Have you ever attended a time management class or maybe you've gotten personal coaching in order to improve your, your, your skills in whatever uh, field you're working in? You might, here's a picture of a, of a coach. He looks like a, uh, he'd be able to help you out, right? I remember one time the company I was working for hired a life coach for us as a staff and, and it was, it was, it was fascinating, let's just say. I walk out of these trainings or these conversations, these coaching conversations, feeling, you know, hopeful and determined to improve. But then I find out, man, it takes tremendous daily effort to change my life. So coaching is, is helpful, but not always, doesn't always kick up my productivity too much. Books is another thing that, have, you know, these have been helpful through the years, especially as kids have come along, as I've needed to try to, like, get a better grasp on my time management. Uh, three books in particular that, that I've uh, used. One is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this has been helpful for organi- organizing um, my time use. The next one, One Minute Manager. And then, I don't know if you've ever seen this last one, one The One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey. That one's very helpful when you're trying to understand what is your responsibility and how to take... If, if you struggle with... If you get stuck on an assignment you've been given and you get stalled out, this, this book actually really helps you not stall out with what is your responsibility. It keeps your line of responsibility really clear in your mind between you and your boss. And so, anyway, some of these books have been helpful. You can start adding these types of external technology books and likely we'll see some progress. However, the further we move into the series, we, we keep seeing over and over that there are more significant internal factors tied to our productivity. The externals can help, but the internals really are critical. In fact, character is the most important factor in our productivity. It's our character that is required if you want to grow in the use of your time. Now, character is beneath all the externals. It's, it's more than knowledge. It's, more, it's different than skills and techniques. One of my mentors, he likens character to an iceberg. With an iceberg, it's the real you. Your character is the real you below the surface, below the externals. It is a set of values that have been solidified into a way of life. What I love about this picture is there's just so much more going on below the surface. And so... You know, we hide that from others. Not, not everyone knows everything about our character. And we might think, I can put off my character development. But eventually, our real values show up and start interrupting our real life, don't they? Our character has this way of, of coming up at the most inopportune moments and, and impact real life. I've got an example of that from a movie called the Emperor's Club, where a teacher, he confronts a former student who's now running for office. He's now an adult. And he confronts his former student about cheating back in high school. So let's take a look at this clip. Everything all right? Yes, I'm fine. Yeah, you don't, you don't look so fine. I'm all right. Thank you. You hurry up and come join the celebration. How long have you been hard of hearing, Sedgwick? Uh, very, very 
Very good, Mr. Honor. Very, very good. Yeah. Oh, I thought you might have known. Who was the poor mercenary who was feeding you the answers? Oh, just some graduate student gave him a couple hundred bucks and a warm meal. Trust to keep this between us. As always. I trust you will. Do you mean am I going to go out there and expose you for a liar and a cheat? No. I'm a teacher, Cedric. I failed you as a teacher. But I will give you one last lecture, if I may. All of us, at some point, are forced to look at ourselves in the mirror and see who we really are. And when that day comes for you, Sedgwick, you will be confronted with a life lived without virtue, without principle. And for that, I pity you. End of lesson. I live in the real world where people do what they need to do to get what they want. And if it's lying and it's cheating, then so be it. So I am going to go out there and I am going to win that election, Mr. Hundred. And you will see me everywhere. And I'll worry about my contribution later. Robert. So that, that was his. That was his son. You know, mo- moms, dads. We are transmitting our character. It's being imprinted in some ways to our kids. They're watching us. They are studying how we do life, and they are learning and deciding just how real God is from the way that we live our lives. They're, we're imprinting several things onto our kids. And so, especially, they're learning about our priorities. The things that we rank as first and second and third. Those high values, they're paying attention to how we order those things in our life. What will they adopt from our priorities about God? What will they adopt from our priorities and our values about prayer, about work, about stuff, about money, about people? So, your character... My character, it lies beneath the externals, beneath the surface. It's the real you. And so, we want to look at this passage. It's in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-9. through 9. And we want to read through this. It lists out a sequence of character qualities. And we've got these listed in your, in your, in your handout. And we're going to define these, these words. But let, let's read through the, verse, the passage first. It says, For this very reason... He, the reason is because of what God has done, because of God's kindness, His mercy, His promises. Because of, these, because of this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. You see what he's doing? He's taking character qualities and he's saying, because, or take this and then add this, and then add this. So, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness 
with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Okay? For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now Paul, he begins this letter with the reminder that God's great power makes it possible for us to escape the pull and really the corruption that we find in our world. God's power makes it possible for us to escape that pull. And we can actually experience a different kind of life because of Christ. Then he starts listing out a sequence of character qualities that we need to be growing in and growing in and growing in in order to experience a life of spiritual productivity. begins in verse 5 with faith. Now, faith, this is where you start out in the Christian life. We start with faith. Not just a mere belief, but a life that is simply depending on Christ and Christ alone. If you're trying to save yourself through your own good works, you're still working for God's favor. Faith is where you step away from your your own effort to try to earn God's kindness and favor and you receive Christ in His work alone. You're not, you're not depending on yourself anymore. Now you're depending on Christ. And it, it begins when we trust Him to the extent that we adopt His moral direction and, and begin to obey Him. Faith begins when we make that shift to start operating according to God's, God's ways. We give up trying to lead our lives. We give up being the, the moral standard. And we say, God, You set the standards of morality, of living. You, you, you let me know how You want me to live from this point forward. I've stepped across that line from me being the boss to You being the boss. That's, that's, that begins the life of faith. And Peter says that we supplement faith or we add to faith another character quality called virtue. Okay? Virtue, it's a courageous act of good. That's what virtue is. A courageous act of good. It can actually be translated manliness or valor. This word virtue. But, but the point here is that our faith in Christ must begin to act. Peter's saying, look, you have to add an active component to your faith. That's why you see these commands in the Bible to work out your faith. It's not saying the same, it's not saying work for your faith anymore. It's just saying work out your faith. It's an understanding that we, as, as Christ followers, are to start taking steps to actually do in situations what, what God wants us to do. Whether that's towards other people and treating them a certain way, but it's not simply having a cognitive, intellectual faith. But it's a, it's, it's a faith that is working itself out into real life. So he says, add to faith virtue. Just this active good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to do good. I'm going to step forward. Then we add to that knowledge. Another character quality. Knowledge is, is learning about God. It's learning about His will, His ways. Primarily, we take in knowledge of God in the Bible. So we've got to dig into the Bible. Got to dig in and understand what the Bible actually says. If for his followers, then we need to know what is his will, how what he what has he revealed about himself. So we start digging in for ourselves. We start feeding ourselves. We don't just rely on someone else to teach us and to tell us what God's word says, but we actually take the time to begin to pursue knowledge and learn about God. Then, after knowledge, he says we add self control. 
Now, with knowledge, with the more we know, it's very tempting for us to get puffed up and start spouting off all that we know about God. And so we add to our knowledge self-control so that we're not just telling everybody. We're not moving towards arrogance. Instead, we're choosing self-control. We're exercising this as we reign in our lips, our lives, our thoughts. We're just reigning things in. We're choosing to operate with self-control rather than just spouting off what we know. You can go ahead and advance that. Everything that comes to my mind, hey, I want to say what I know here. Instead of just spouting it off, I'm reining it in. I'm choosing very carefully the words that I share. With every thought I have, I'm I'm reining in my thoughts. I'm not just acting on every thought that comes to my mind. I'm starting to practice self-control. So Peter says, you add these things, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control. Then he says, then we add steadfastness. Which is this. Steadfastness is an upbeat, hopeful endurance in our loyalty to Christ and our devotion. When the pressure is coming, is, is bearing down on you, the steadfast person knows that God really exists and He can help me endure through the difficult pressure that I'm facing. The steadfast person is not looking for an easy escape route in life. He's not looking for an easier life. The steadfast person is, is facing the pressure with a confidence that, hey, I can trust God to take care of me. And then he says we add to that, we add the character quality of godliness. Godliness is, is a deep reverence for God. That begins to look to God's interests in all situations. Godliness. So he's my reference point. God, godliness causes me to keep referencing God throughout my day with my choices. The opposite of godliness is to just live a life without any reference to God. It's just, I just choose what I want to do. I'm not asking, wonder what God wants me to do here. I'm just, I'm just being in charge. I'm taking, I'm taking control again of how I live my life. Again, at this point, arrogance could creep in. If you start growing in godliness, arrogance can creep in. Because if you aim to live a godly life, then you might actually you know, begin to notice that other people aren't referencing God in their lives. And so you might move towards legalism or you might move towards pride, start judging other people because they're not acting godly. And so you want to avoid that, obviously. Again, you want to operate in self-control. But then Peter says we add in Brotherly affection, which is the quality where we where we treat others with kindness and, and brotherly love. We do this in the church family. It's we can't just say that we care about people. It's not about just being nice to people, but we actually we actually choose kindness. What is it that this person really um, needs? What would be kind to them right now? How would I treat someone that's in the family? What, what would that look like? And as we do this in the church family, we land on this, this final character quality that he gives, which is love. We begin to love people. And this kind of love is it's this. It's a sacrificial, active love. Which the New Testament often uses this, this word agape. And it points us to Jesus' death, really, as the prime example of agape love. That Jesus, He laid down His life 
for the brothers. He laid down His life for us. He sacrificially loved us. He did what met our, our deepest need. He looked to our interest. He laid down His life. So this list of character qualities, this sets us up for the kind of life that God really uses. Now look again at verse 8. Verse 8 says this, For if these qualities, so this, this list here, these eight things, if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be productive, keep growing in these things. He's saying, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now we can run many growth areas through this sequence because you have to attach these character qualities to action. So, for example, if you're trying to grow in serving, you you can kind of run service through this character quality sequence. And the way that would look is, you know, I add to my faith like this sense that I need, I want to I want to serve and so the virtue of, you know, a courageous act of good, I just decide, you know what? I'm going to put my faith in action. I'm going to I'm going to start serving. I'm going to look for opportunities. I'm going to step forward with valor if there's a need. I'm going to I'm going to step forward and I'm going to help meet that need. And then knowledge. You know, I start thinking about I need to understand what the Bible says about about serving. So I dig into the Bible. I start gaining knowledge what the Bible says about serving. I find some stories. I find some examples from Jesus' life. I look in the letters, in Paul's letters. I find some examples. I start developing an understanding of what, what service really is, what that, what that looks like. But as I'm doing that, I add self-control because, again, I have to be careful that as I gain knowledge in a certain area that I don't get puffed up and start trying to brag to other people about how much I know about serving. So I add self-control. Steadfastness, it's hard to serve faithfully. I look around and I realize, well, no one else is serving. There's obviously something that needs to be done right here. Why isn't anybody else helping? So again, I choose self-control. I bear up under it. I, I choose steadfastness. I keep working at this area of serving in my life. Godliness, as I'm going about serving, I'm referencing God through the day. Brotherly affection. I think about how this area of serving impacts the group, impacts other people, and then and the, the connection to love. So this sequ- this it's really a character sequence that we can take several areas of obedience, whether it's serving, whether it's giving, whether it's encouraging, whatever these these areas are in our lives, whether it's even parenting, relationships. You can take different things and kind of walk this through because character qualities are attached. To real living. And so, this stuff isn't, it's not just defining the terms in your mind and thinking, oh, I got that. No, you have to actually apply that to a specific area of your life. Now, character doesn't grow in a classroom. We don't acquire character like we would learning a skill or, or gaining knowledge. You can't just learn character from a book or from taking a seminar or from having a coach. And so, here, here's how God builds our character. It's on the back side of your listening guide. How God builds our character to make us more productive. First, it's built through time with Him. And I've got a passage there you can reference later on. 2 Peter 3, verses 14 through 18. But just the idea that I'm growing in grace with God. When I pray, when I read the Bible, I'm choosing to have an experience with God. I'm choosing to connect with God. And I'm gaining knowledge as I'm studying the Bible, but... When I'm praying about something specific and then I see God come through and answer prayer, now I have an experience with God that 
No one really could manufacture for me. That was real. So we need time with God. That builds our character when we see God come through. Another thing is, character builds as we engage with the church community. Ephesians 4 talks about how God's wired the church together and the structure that we play in, in, in growing. The role that we play together. The role that leaders play in our lives. God, He loves the church. And He loves it when people like come together in His name to advance His purposes and His causes around the world. To advance God's kingdom is an opportunity to really have an experience with God on a variety of levels. For one, it exposes you know, us to a community of people. Anytime we interact in a, in a church setting, we get to see other people who are living out the character qualities that, that, that we're listing out here. When we see people handle life in a certain way and really relate kindly and are gracious to one another, God uses this and gives us a picture in our mind of how we ourselves can live. And so we need exposure to people with character to become a person of character ourselves. And this can happen in a variety of ways. It can happen through serving on a Sunday, you know, waking up early and, and maybe coming, uh, coming super early or staying really late. Sometimes it's hard to find motivation. Yet, when you experience how God uses acts of service to help out and to do what we do as a church, it, it, it can motivate in a real way. Or being in a small group. If you're, a, if you're a part of a small group, it's a great way to grow in character. You, again, you start relating to one another. You start hearing about needs. A small group is a perfect place where needs can be met. And so these types of interactions, we start experiencing God in very real ways. It's more than just taking in knowledge about Him, but it's, it's again, adding to that. God also uses this final area of pressure to build our character. Pressure-packed moments of life reveal who we are on the inside. It's when the pressure is applied to our life that we find out who we are on the inside. When we face difficult times, it's kind of like we get squeezed and whatever we rely on and whoever we trust in, it comes out like a bottle of toothpaste. You squeeze the toothpaste, you put the pressure on it, and it comes out, right? The pressure that comes upon our lives, it, it, our character begins to, to show up. Now, trouble will cause some things to grow in you over time that would not have come any other way. Trouble has a way of doing that. Trouble, you find yourself in trouble or just trouble comes at you, all of a sudden, you're, you start growing in new ways. And you might begin to think, why does it take so long? Why am I still learning this over and over? I want, I want to encourage you to remember God is using pressure and all these things and these different experiences to really help you grow. Don't, don't give up. Life can be frustrating. And you might at times feel like, man, I'm going to pop if this pressure doesn't leave. But just remember, God is working and things... He's working in different, in different areas. These three different areas specifically. And He will direct you into the future. There, there is a much bigger picture that God sees than we see. If you look at that passage again in verse 9, it says, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind. The point here is there's this bigger picture that God sees. He sees down the road. And oftentimes we just see right here in front of us. And now when we're just looking at this area right here, we're acting nearsighted. To be nearsighted, we're just focused on this here and now today, in the moment, in this hour. 
And God, He's trying to shape something that is down the road. And so choosing to serve and do, do the hard things here and now actually are impacting down the road. And so drawing that connection that, wow, this is hard now, but God's doing something down. You're focusing on something far down the road. And so you're cooperating with God. And, and these are the ways that He starts growing our character. I want to invite up Brian and Kyla Murphy. And they're going to join me up here on stage. They are a couple from our church, a couple of members from our church who who have seen God... Yeah, come on up here. Seen God use some of these different areas. This is Brian. Hi. Why don't you introduce yourselves to, to everybody here. Uh, I'm Brian. This is my wife, Kyla. And uh, how long have you guys been coming around? We've been coming to OCC right about seven years. Seven years. I think okay. we're right at our seven-year anniversary. So. <laughs> All right. Yep. And uh, how are you guys involved? Just me rattle off some areas of involvement in church life. Okay. Um, currently, I am part of facilities that Bryce leads. So I help set up the church every other month. So all the backdrop you see, the lights, those kind of items. I hope set that up. Uh, we host a life group at our house that's led by Bruce. And then the other, oh, North Star Coach. So I'm involved in North Star and I do. North Star is a, it's kind of a leadership training, character development training, a two-year um, plan that we're a part of that we're doing in the church. of about 60 people in our church that are doing it. And it's working through the Bible and really working on character growth, uh, getting clear understanding of the Bible. Uh, having some uh, coaching in our lives as well. And so, Kyla, I'll let you share as well. Yeah, I also help host a life group that's in our house. <laughs> so we do that together. Um, and I help serve in Kids Zone when there's a need. So I've taught in the past and then I fill in now. And I also am a North Star coach. So. Great. And they, this is, um, North Star is two years, and so it's kind of a longer-term commitment. Mm-hmm. And um, they went on a mission trip last summer and Bruce our associate, one of our associate pastors led a mission trip out to Chico Community Church to help a church in our network renovate their entire church building and so it seemed like God really used that experience to really help solidify some character values in your life and so I mean, tell us about some of that how, how did that what, what examples or what experiences did you have that really helped challenge your character uh, one of them was trusting God just for the financial part of it um, it was a lot of money at first, you know, so really trusting that God would provide it, that the trip would be worth the money spent. And it turned out it really was. That was a big initial step of faith. It was the both of them going, so the cost for that, and then the time off of work. What do you, you guys do for work? Uh, I At that time, I, I'm a registered nurse. I was working in the ICU. Okay. So, and then... Stay-at-home mom. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it required someone to watch the kids. Yeah. It, there was there was probably a lot that had to go into this yep. trip. So um, one of the other uh, growing experiences from that was uh, the aspect of community. Uh, I, I look forward to the trip. I like to do home projects. The trip was focused on. Uh, helping a church get their building going for a grand opening. So it was going to be a lot of work that I like to do naturally at home. Yard work, uh, remodeling, stuff that I do in my free time. So I thought this is going to be a trip with no pressure. Uh, I get to do what I like to do anyways, and I'm going to bless another church. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so there was various jobs. Some involved the parking lot. Some involved the grass. Uh, all kinds of stuff. One of them was, uh, one of the main walkways was a uh, 
they were going to make a paving stone walkway. And I wanted to be a part of that one, particularly. <laughs> I had my jobs I liked. That was one of the ones I wanted. <laughs> and so at some point, but I, you know, I didn't want to push my way into it. But they did ask me to actually help out with the paving stones. So I was kind of excited. I, I watched a YouTube video already, so I knew how to do paving stones. Right? <laughs> At my own house, I actually had done paving stones. I did 24, to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> to hold my you garbage were an cans, at that so point, I was, huh? yeah, I knew you had to have a, a grade. You didn't want water to pool on them. Okay. Might even use some sand to put in between each. So okay. I knew how to do paper. How'd that go? <laughs> so I got. Oh, yeah, I don't want to fall off. So. Uh, we got started on the paving stones, and it was thousands of paving stones. So, just hauling the paving stones was a lot of work to begin with. It took two days, oh, two days, one day or two days, the entire team. Uh, but so I got into it. We we're maybe ten or twenty rows of bricks in, so we're just working our way across. And there's two of us: one working on one side, one working on the other. And I'm, I was really focused. On the paving stones, thought it all looked real nice. My lines looked good. My level was good. They had come in and leveled the sand perfectly for us right before. And then occasionally people would come and they'd take a look. That looks a little off. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm working hard. My knees hurt right now. And uh, another person would come and point out something else. Like a, like a little divot or something. And I'm like... And it started like getting to me. I'm like, I'm working hard here and I know how to do this. And everyone's coming in and finding these little things. Uh, so that, it started to really, it started to take a little bit of the enjoyment out at first. But uh, I always I pray about it. And uh, uh, people, I realize that yes, actually they are right. <laughs> I'm focused on this row, but they're coming and looking at the overall picture. Sorry, I'm pulling the microphone away. And uh, they're seeing more of what I'm not seeing. I'm focused on this one row right here, which looks good here. But then when you actually step back, yes, there actually is a divot, which I know shouldn't be there, or the lines are off, and it's you know that. So that that was a, a challenge for me, receiving the correction on something that I really wanted to do and thought I was good at, um, and then applying it, you know, uh, being corrected and then being humble to receive it. And so that was one of the big uh, pressure points for me. Yeah. That. How about you, Kyla? Um, well, Brian already touched on the, the financial pressure, which he probably bore more. Um, and then I think those setting off for the trip, one of the pressures for me was getting my kids settled so it was a week-long trip but we were actually going to be away from our kids for 11 days which is the longest that we've ever been away from them so starting out there was a lot I really felt like I needed a huge dose of courage just to see them off and my parents took them they had a wonderful trip but I really had to use a lot of self-control in my mind like I had a friend kind of to help with that to share my fears um, but seeing them off, I had to battle a lot of fears right at the onset of the trip. Like, what if something happens to them? What if something happens to us? Will, like, I had to trust in God's goodness, you know, that he wouldn't call us to do a trip and then something terrible happened, you know? So the faith kind of at the offset was like that. Um, on the, like, in the trip, we, like Brian was describing the different jobs, well, Lots of the men who know how to do building projects got the cool building projects, you know. <laughs> so a lot of us ladies ended up out on this massive lawn with lots of divots, and it was our job to fill in all the divots and level the lawn. There was like a, a huge dirt pile over our heads. 
So um, the first day was super fun. You know, tons of ladies. We're all digging dirt and talking to each other and telling stories. You know, covered. Our teeth are black. Um, so there's like an element of excitement. We're taking selfies and sending them to our kids and friends. You know, look how dirty we are. Um, the second day, though, this is when the pressure begins to build. You know, it's really fun the first day. Well, then the second day, um, there's less people. There's like three of us left this giant lawn, you know, little dirt shovel by shovel, trying to fill it in. And at one point I was off by myself, you know, and I had had these really lofty ideals of like, I'm just going to have such a good attitude serving. Nothing will challenge that, you know, kumbaya. And (laughs) (laughs) But I'm a big people person. So when lots of people were around, that was great. Then I'm off by myself in this corner and I was trying to level this giant area. I don't know actually why I was trying to do this by myself. But I had this giant piece of wood to level. You can't do that by yourself. You have to have someone on the other side. So I'm trying to do it, and like tears are coming in my eyes. I'm praying, God help me. This is so awful. (laughs) I'm by myself. Everyone else is doing something fun. Um, So I started to battle discouragement. Well, suddenly, right after I say that prayer, two ladies from our team come up, and they're like, we saw you over here working. You shouldn't be working by yourself. We're going to help you. So they jump in. Obviously, we can level it with more than one person. Um, And, I mean, I won't deny it. The job was not done when we left. That was a large, you know, yard. But it it really, I don't know, God helped the experience to impress on me that a lot of the jobs I do as a mom are an awful lot like that huge yard, you know. Um, It's a huge task I can't do alone. It takes a long time of steadfast effort, you know. And then once you level it, you have to, you know, put new seed in and water it and hope it grows and protect it from people running all over it. You know, there's like a lot over the long term. It's not one process. So, um, funnily, like, it's kind of funny, but that dirt pile became to me sort of an example of my life. Like, sometimes when the pressure is too hard, I don't have to go it alone. And that, so that was one of my big takeaway points. It's so much better to do it with others in God's community. Yeah. So. Any other thoughts on that, just that trip? Any other learnings from that, the takeaways, either of you? Um, I would say one of the big takeaways, probably for both of us, uh, for me was uh, the, the church was about 25 years into their life as a church. Yeah. So seeing how God can start something and how it takes a lot of time to get to an end goal. It it doesn't happen by reading a book or watching a YouTube video. (laughs) It takes uh, time getting dirty, practicing, messing up, being corrected, trying again, messing up, being corrected, and uh, seeing them 25 years later. Some of the members were new, but some of them you knew had been there from the start. A lot of the people who were, I was right next to doing the paving stones, they had, experience, they had been at the church, or they maybe had 25 years of installing paving stones in that case. You know? So uh, being able to realize, hey, they're where they're at because a lot of time, hard work, and... Uh, just kind of that community of everyone working together for common goals and interests. So I think that was one of the big takeaways. Like, I'm where I want to be is not going to happen in the next year. It's going to take a lifetime. Yeah. So yeah, one of the things I've noticed about uh, interacting with other churches that yeah have been around 15, 20 years longer and, and are maybe share the same values is 
I can get a picture as I interact with them of, of where my life may be heading. Or why, why are we doing all this hard work with our kids or with our friendships or just our own personal growth? You get a picture when you interact with people outside of your environment of, ah, that's, that's where... And I'm not saying trouble-free. I'm just saying that the long-term plotting and walking with God, getting outside of our environment helps us grasp that. Uh, what about in, in just serving in, in church life, whether it's serving on a Sunday or midweek or being involved in small groups? How has that helped you grow in character, either one of you? Um, I think, uh, well, over our seven years at OCC, we had already seen that that was um, a high value and was important. But then after the Chico trip, I felt like we had a lot more power behind us because of what you, Brian and you both shared, that we'd seen people who had been doing that steadfastly for so many years and seen the fruit that it brought in their lives. So um, we came back with an extra desire to have our family fully invested in life at OCC and in our life groups. And um, over time... You know, we're in our mid-30s. We have three kids. Brian's got his career. I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I feel like um, we're really in a period where we have to bear down, like bear under the pressure of life and really continue to be faithful. So an example in church life is just every week I get the house ready for life group. And for a while, that was fun. <laughs> and then again, like the dirt pile. Pretty soon, I'm sweeping Cheerios every week or cleaning the toilet and struggling to remember, <laughs> why was this so fun? Um, <laughs> I have to do it anyway, but usually there's like extra time constraints or something with, with a group coming. But um, over time, man, having that group in our home and the richness and the community and the life that it provides and seeing people's lives changed is above and beyond worth cleaning a bathroom, you know? Mm -hmm. But I have seen over time that sometimes the luster wears off of the original commitment, and you have to just keep being faithful and being available, but but the richness that comes from that, like the fruit of being involved in that, has, um, yeah, convinced me that it's worth cleaning the toilet. That's real helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Anything? Um, I would say the same I've seen the example of people here at OCC um, over time seeing them grow um, even in my own personal life comparing seven years ago to today areas I would like to be further along in but also making commitments uh, maybe a year ago or two years ago seeing how God has actually impacted the life my personal life, my family life uh, maybe how it's benefited others. Um, that's that's been uh, impactful for us uh, here at the church. So, Great. yeah. Thanks for sharing, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll take that. Thank you. Something I'll just add is that you know. Sometimes, and I want to invite our worship team to join me on on the stage. Sometimes, when it comes to growing in our growth, or even following Christ, or going to church, we might we might just decide like I'm going to start going to church, and I'm going to be a better person. Period. I'm going to keep going to church, and I'm going to try to be a better person. Period. Or I'm going to work on being nicer. And we just kind of keep it real general and it's kind of fuzzy what that means to be a nicer, better person. And we, we, we pedal hard, but we find that 
Man, not a lot is changing. So, the Scripture gives us the template for growth. As we dig in, we start seeing, wow, God's really after refining very specific areas of my life. From faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. Those stories that they were sharing, you can actually trace to those different character qualities that are being challenged through that pressure that they're under and through just the being involvement in, in church community. And so, I want to encourage you, if you're like, man... I'm not seeing those things. Just keep going. It's it's again. It's it's long term. Don't be nearsighted. Don't be focused just on the here and now. Stay focused and faithful. Asking God to really refine the things He's He's working out in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for Your Word and how as we dig into it, Lord, You challenge. You, you sand down rough edges. Lord, you, you pinpoint areas that you want us to grow in. And Lord, you offer us your help through your presence, through the, your spirit who lives inside of us. Lord, we thank you for the fact that we don't have to go at this alone. Lord, you walk with us, Lord, in this life. You also surround us with people who are helping us move forward. So Lord, we thank you for that. We pray that you would encourage us today, Lord, that, that you're laying out a path of growth for us that can help us, Lord, in the area of productivity. Would you encourage those that are here that are struggling right now and feeling unproductive or feeling looking at their lives and seeing maybe just a lack of fruit? Lord, I pray that you would give them hope, encourage to continue on, to keep enduring, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.